morning, everybody. Isn't this a glorious and wonderful day in the history of First Christian Church? It's exciting. Well, Sandy asked me to make a few comments about what we've done and a little bit about the candidate, and then Carolyn's going to add to this also. But a little bit about the protocol that we've dealt with, and Sandy touched on some of this. The 15-member search committee met 14 times beginning on April 11th until September 17th. Each session we had from an hour to two hours in length. Our task was detailed in a 43-page booklet. It looks like this one. It was a procedure manual sent us to by the regional office outlined the 26 steps involved in the process. Our first responsibility was to develop and to print an eight-page congregational profile, which looks like this. If you want to see it, you're welcome to it. It's quite involved and involves a lot of information that you'd be surprised about when you read about our church. It also includes a summary of our New Beginnings program conducted here at First Christian Church that most all of you were involved in. During our deliberations, we received, as Sandy said, 15 applicants. Each of them gave us a 28 to 30 page document like this one to read and go through from start to finish. Once the candidates were reviewed, our top choice was identified and we held an hour and a half Skype interview right here in the congregational uh, sanctuary with the entire committee and the candidate of our choice. Following the interview, our candidate of choice along with his wife were invited to our church for a four-day and three-night stay to have an orientation and interview with the entire committee and in a detailed uh, interview that night. Now today we bring to the congregation our unanimous choice for you to meet, to visit, and to determine whether or not he is our next senior minister for First Christian Church. In this vetting process, I found our candidate to be a strong networker. He likes to be active in his community. He relates very well with people, especially one-on-one. -on -one. He's personable with a quick wit and lightness. He has a solid knowledge of modern electronic communication. He enjoys dreaming about big ideas. He is strong in his commitment to call and shut-ins and is concerned about people's troubles and their illnesses. He thinks ideas through and does not jump to a decision without lots of thought. He led a financial campaign using the Board of Extension in his previous churches. The thing that got me excited, he initiated, he initiated the New Beginnings program for his current congregation. He is open to new ideas to make his worship service inspiring and fulfilling. He is a visionary in thinking about his church and his community, and I'm proud to see him being considered for our church. Good morning. I'm Carolyn Kanehe. Is this where it belongs? Um, I'm pleased to be invited to share a few things um, of my thoughts of Pastor Andrew. As a member of the search committee, we Skyped our first interview with Pastor Andrew. I found him easy to speak with, and he answered my prepared question clearly and thoughtfully. My prepared question was to learn of his preferred style of worship. He explained he liked most any style of worship and was comfortable with each. He did mention one of his favorites was the Tuesday service. Prayer and meditation is an important part of his daily life. He told us he likes music as a part of the worship, and when asked if he sings, he responded that while he does have some musical talent, um, he probably would not be singing in the choir. However, he does play guitar. 
During his second interview, both he and his wife, Amanda, visited us in Lafayette. We had lunch together and enjoyed learning more about them. They shared they enjoyed walking around downtown Lafayette the night before. They have friends in nearby states. Amanda will be looking for employment. As Sandy said, she's a minister. We learned that Lafayette and its community seemed a good place for them as it is midway between states to be able to uh, visit family easier. Oh dear, I just lost that. I had to have this, guys, because you know I would ramble. They have been married for three years and are hoping to have a family and would want to be closer to share events and special times. We had dinner with both of them that evening. We had some time to chat. Um, and then a more formal interview session with Pastor Andrew. During the many questions, he was thoughtful, made clear his answers. He had been involved with New Beginnings at previous churches and was very excited that we participated and were willing to admit the need to, to make some changes and were willing to pursue them. During this part of the interview, he shared with us his deep faith and his knowledge of the word, his constant daily learning and practice of his faith. He asked questions of us to make clear any expectations of him and also expectations of our congregation. He shared that they both had done their homework before coming and were excited to learn more about the community and our, our church family. Pastor Andrew is a young, mature pastor, kind of an old soul, compassionate, and a very gentle spirit, but has energy to help lead us here at First Christian in our desire to be more of a disciple-driven congregation. At this important time, we know God is with us, and will continue to direct our steps as we may move forward in this journey. Thank you for listening to my thoughts about Pastor Andrew. I hope hearing what all of us on the search committee have learned about him will help you decide on the call to Pastor Andrew as senior pastor of First Christian Church. Another good morning. Uh, I'm Richard Ellsworth, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, it has been my privilege, sometimes a trying privilege, to serve on, on these committees. But uh, I came here this morning, I felt I had a message this morning, and, and I walked in and the first hymn was, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I wanted to share with you that the, this process started with me, with new beginnings, and I was able to, in the groups, we were able to talk about, and if you read the, the, the handout that you all got, uh, it compares a membership church with a discipleship church. 
Now, fortunately, we have the name Disciples of Christ. And I was struck that sometimes we fall a little short in that model of discipleship. And I find that uh, one of the most significant spiritual disciplines in discipleship is prayer. And I know if you've been attending church or been reading bulletins, uh, we have asked as a committee for your prayer, your prayers daily. And, and for those of you who prayed, I thank you. For those of you who didn't take the time or find the time, I will encourage you that it's never too late to start. So um, Sandy has done a wonderful job. The committee's done a wonderful job. And what I wanted to let you know from my perspective is that Sandy handed out a, a list of daily prayers while we went through this process. And I would have to say that we had a member of the committee open the committee meeting with a prayer and close the committee meeting with a prayer. And there was a, a feeling or a running of, of thoughts that I think I could simplify by saying that as we prayed, we asked God to give us wisdom in the selection committee and discernment knowing that we like to call this our church, but this church really belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ and we are a part of his body here. And so it is not only important that we received discernment and wisdom in the selection process, it was just as important that the candidate uh, received the calling from the Lord to take his church here and shepherd it, lead it, guide it, pastorate, whatever terminology you like. And, and I would just like to say that uh, Andrew, as I have met him, is a man of faith and a very intelligent man in the Word of God. And he is also a man of prayer. His wife and he took about three days after calling to say, we'd like to spend some time in discernment to make sure this is where we're supposed to be. And I can tell you that as a member of this committee, <clears throat> through the, the prayer that was applied to all of this, that I can gratefully say great is his faithfulness to us. Because I not only believed he sent us the right candidate, but we were able to recognize that. And so I encourage you today, as you get to vote, to know that this is a God thing. This is his work in our lives, and that uh, he has sent us a man who has every capability to lead us into even better discipleship and, and the ability to minister in our own community. So I thank you for all that. Is there anyone else on the committee that would like to say a word or two? I really can't add anything to what has already been said, but I just want to give my opinion. And my opinion is, Andrew is the right person, pastor, to lead our church forward. Anyone else? Just want to say, I think we've got a great candidate, but if you're sitting in your pews, 
thinking you're going to be comfortable, you might be challenged. And I think he is a pastor that will challenge us in our faith, in the deepness of our faith, challenge us in uh, our prayers. And, uh, oh, there he is. I'm talking about it right in front of him. <laughs> Sheesh. Sorry. But uh, so you are a challenge. Uh, I mean that in a kind way. And uh, I'm looking forward to it by having a, a younger person with uh, fresh and new ideas. And uh, I believe we have a winner. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, now it's Andrew's turn. Andrew, if you would please come up and tell us your story. Um, is the microphone? Okay. Uh, I'm Andrew Guthrie. I feel like I should start out by telling you some of my faults. <laughs> but, um, and I'll, I'll tell you one. If, if my, my wife gives me a list for the grocery store every Monday, and every Monday I forget at least one item on the list, it's a fault. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I come to you. Um, Mike gave me a list of questions that might be helpful to kind of frame this time, and so I'm going to try and follow them, but I might, uh, we'll see how much I stick to it. Um, so I was called to ministry uh, as a college student. I went to college. I grew up in Mesa, Arizona. Uh, my parents, uh, when they got married, walked to the closest church, which was First Christian Church of Mesa, Arizona, um, which is the second oldest, church, second oldest disciples church in the state of Arizona. Uh, and I joke, our family, we keep going back to disciples churches. My great aunt was a member of First Christian Church of Whitehall, Illinois. I have supposedly family that planted a church here in Indiana a hundred or so years ago, and we keep coming back, and I always say it's because we don't like being told what to do, and so we go to disciples' churches. <laughs> but I left uh, my home church when I went to college, and I went to college and said, I'm not going to go to church anymore. I was a normal 18-year-old who said, I don't want to do that, uh, and then almost immediately got invited to a campus ministry barbecue and ended up spending three days a week at the campus ministry center at Northern Arizona University. Um, and had a whole bunch of experiences through that. The first one was spring break of my freshman year. I got to go down to um, Guatemala to serve at a Catholic mission and to do kind of mission work. And the way that trip went is um, we had five or six days of your normal mission trip activity. One of the days we literally just dug ditches. That's, that's what we did. Um, but on the last day, the priest who was there, who had been there for about 30 years, sat us down and said, I'm going to explain to you the, the history of this country, what it's gone through, the um, turmoil, the political unrest, the economic problems, uh, because I feel like I can't let you leave without knowing why things are the way they are here. And this was a Catholic priest doing this. And for me, this was the first introduction of a person of faith, a leader in the church, who also saw his role as being involved in the community around him and knowing what was going on in the world and knowing what was going on with big systems. Um, and for me, that was the first time I had seen somebody, a person of faith, do something like that. And that kind of planted the seed in my head that maybe I should think about my faith a little bit differently. And luckily, I had a bunch of campus ministers that started handing me books and said, hey, these are people who have thought about faith critically, who have, who have asked questions about what they believe and how they live and who they are. 
Uh, and for me, that, those were the seeds that were planted that kind of grew into a call to ministry. Um, it culminated, I actually, she mentioned, Sandy mentioned that my, well not Sandy, somebody else mentioned that my favorite kind of worship style is Tizay. And that's because my senior year of college, uh, I got to go to Tizay, France. Um, and that was a place where I had all these ideas about ministry floating around in my head, and I was asked to be silent for hours a day. Um, and out of that, I had the sense that I needed to go to uh, seminary. And so I left uh, Northern Arizona University, uh, kind of at the last minute, applied to Vanderbilt Divinity School because a friend of mine told me I should. Um, and then I went, to, I went there and she didn't. It was good. But Vanderbilt became this place where, um, you know, if I, I would say my faith has always been sort of twofold. I, I, faith is about how you live your life. And it's about how you participate in the world around you. It is absolutely about that. But faith also has this intellectual component of, of asking why it is that you live that way. And how could you live differently? How could you live more faithfully? How could you live more in line with how God is calling? And Vanderbilt for me was that place because we would go into classes. One of my first classes was a class on social movements and we were told that we had to write a paper and in order to write that paper, we had to go and participate in a nonprofit in Nashville. And so I ended up volunteering with the Tennessee Immigrant and Refugee Rights Coalition. And I had to go to their meetings every week, and then I had to come back to class and write about it. Uh, and that, that, for me, Vanderbilt was all that. It was, we want you to be out and active and doing things in the community, and then we want you to come back here and ask, why do you do it that way, and what would you do differently? And for me, that is so much about what my faith is about. It is about being active in the world, involved in the world, but also coming back, seeking God's guidance, seeking God's call, and figuring out how can we do it better, more faithfully, more effectively. So that, um, that's, that's how I ended up, I guess, being called into ministry and becoming a minister. I went straight from Vanderbilt. I went through a transition into ministry program, which is a Lilly-funded uh, grant program, to Foothills Christian Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, it was kind of a going back home for me. I grew up in the Phoenix area. Um, and spent two years there working with a church that had, um, before I had gotten there, had re re-examined who they were, had gone through a process of transformation, and when I was there, were on the upswing. And that was a great experience of a church that had decided that they were going to be about their community and had done it. Um, and because of their faithfulness and their work, we're seeing people who wanted to be a part of that. And I'll still say that's the key to church today, I think, is um, creating communities that people look at and say, oh, I want to do that. Um, so you, as a community, the more and more you can be plugged into the world around you, into the community around you, into the struggles and challenges that it has, the more people will look at you and say, oh, that's what I want to do. I want to go be a part of that. Uh, and so uh, I went to Portland after that and have had uh, a great four years in Portland, working with, in the community within Portland. Um, while I've been in Portland, I've been able to be on the um, several regional boards. I served, I serve right now on the board of the Ecumenical Ministries of Oregon, which is a statewide organization. I'm the co-chair of their Public Policy and Advocacy Committee. So EMO says, Ecumenical Ministries of Oregon, EMO says that if we're going to talk about, <clears throat> we're going to help house kids who don't have places to live, then we're also going to go to the state house and find out what programs and resources are there to help them or if they do work with refugee resettlement, which EMO has a very large refugee resettlement program, then we're also gonna make sure that we're involved in the state house, making sure that the resources are there to help those people as well. So they try to have both sides of the, the issues handled. 
Um, I've also been on the board of uh, Disciples Peace Fellowship. Um, I resigned that position back in February, but I did that for eight years. I was a Disciples Peace Fellowship Peace Intern in 2008, uh, including being up at Camp Barbie, which I know is no longer there. The things I forget on the spot. Um, I've, involved, I've been involved in the region and the denomination at a whole bunch of different levels, and I find that work to be incredibly important because you know, we can do work here as a church, but it, we, we have regions in the general church so that we can do more work together. Um, and so I look forward to doing more work within the Indiana region and also within the general church of the Disciples of Christ. Um, going through the list. Um, I look at it, one of the questions was, was why this church seems like a fit. Um, you know, I, this church, I was talking to Sandy this morning about the Skype interview. Skype interviews are weird because you, you can't read body language in people. You just have no idea what they're, how are they doing? How are they accepting my questions? Um, but I, you know, from the very beginning, I sensed the sort of the openness of the congregation that um, y'all, especially through the New Beginnings program, are starting to think about church differently to think about what it means to be Christian or to be disciples or to be um, in our community, a part of our community. And I think that for church right now, the church everywhere is declining. That's, that's a fact. Um, churches of all sizes and of all different kinds um, are having to, to go back and reassess who are we, why are we here, what is God calling us to be. And so when, you, when I talked to the search committee and when I met with them in person, uh, about it, um, there was a sense of you all kind of get that that's true. You get that we can't quite do what we've been doing forever. And you're starting to have the conversation of what does that mean moving forward? Now, the unfortunate part that you're going to find out is what that means moving forward. There, there's not a, an answer to that question yet. Um, that's part of the, the fun and the challenge of church today is that what this is going to look like in 10 and 15 and 20 and 50 years is just, it's an open question. And so the more and more that church can start asking those questions and learn to be more adaptable to the changing world around them, the stronger they're going to be, the, the, better, the more work we're going to be able to do in our community that is of God and that is from God. And so I've, I've experienced that so far. Maybe somebody will come up to me and say, no, it's not really like that. But so far, that's what I've experienced with the search committee. Um, my own strengths, I feel like a lot of them were said in this, my own strengths in ministry... Uh, I, I want to think deeply about this. I, I, I don't want to accept the, well, we've always done it that way answer as a, a reason for why we should do something in faith. Uh, I want to think about it. And I think what the church has is Christians have this great thing where we, especially disciples, right? We, freedom of belief. We believe that God allows us to be called in different and new ways. We, we believe that no institution or dogma or doctrine can tell us what to believe for all times. We're disciples. We have this ability to be flexible and adaptable and change and grow, and our theology allows us to rethink positions and to, to be vibrant and alive. And we get the benefit of having the 2,000 years of Christian history and the 3,500 of the Jewish tradition, the wisdom of thinkers, of doers, of beers, to draw on, to help us and guide us. And that's the beauty of disciples, I think. We get to look forward and think, well, how could we, things be differently, while looking back and saying, what are the foundations we get to grow from? Um, and so my, my interests are both of those things. I believe in a faith that is very active in the world, um, that, that cares about the people on the streets, that, 
that tries as much as possible to connect with the community. And then I also believe in coming back and, and reading theology and engaging with the thousands of years of history that we have and telling the stories about different Christian leaders and the bold actions that have been taken on the path of Christ in the past. Um, so I don't that those are my strengths. I don't know if those are the four strengths I put down there, but um, those are some of my strengths, I think. Um, and the last thing that Mike said that he wanted me to talk about was just kind of personally who I am. Um, I like to know things. Um, I'm, a, I'm an avid sports fan. Uh, and when I say, like, avid, I mean I, I got into soccer a couple years ago, um, European soccer, which I just love. Um, but I could tell you the history of some of the clubs that I follow going back 100 years, even though I've been following them for two years. Because the first thing I do when I get into something new is find the best book on it. Uh, I love reading. I love knowing things. I love history books. I love reading about, um, I'm reading about the Mexican Revolution right now. I, I cook, and my wife appreciates this a lot. I do all the cooking in our house. And at least twice a year, I get a new cookbook that I can just cook front to back so I can know all of the things. And the things I like most about it are the techniques, learning techniques about cooking, about what, the, what it means to braise something versus what it means to bake it versus frying, all of those kinds of things. I like to know how to do things and to learn things. I'd say that's my hobby. Do I do guest cooking? <laughs> we'll see. My specialty, my specialty is my wife is uh, gluten and dairy free. And so I've, I'm, I've learned the techniques of gluten and dairy free baking, um, which is challenging, but we make work. Um, but I, when it comes to sports, um, I'll just fill you in. European soccer, Major League Baseball, and National Basketball Association. Those are my three. And I'm going to try Purdue football. <laughs> And basketball. I can do the basketball pretty naturally. But. So I don't know if I have anything else. Um, that was a pretty big, pretty quick rundown of who I am. So do we move to questions? <laughs>